Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Mark 12, verses 35 to 44, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 12, verses 35 to 44. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. We have seen in the former part of this chapter how the enemies of our Lord endeavored to catch him in his words. We have seen how the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes successfully propounded to him hard questions, questions which can hardly fail to observe more likely to minister strife than edification. The passage before us begins with a question of a very different character. Our Lord himself propounds it. He asks his enemies about Christ and the meaning of Holy Scripture. Such questions are always truly profitable. Well would it be for the church if theological discussions were less about trifles and more about weighty matters and things necessary to salvation. Let us learn in the first place from these verses how much there is about Christ in the Old Testament scriptures. Our Lord desires to expose the ignorance of the Jewish teachers about the true nature of the Messiah. He does it by referring to a passage in the book of Psalms and showing that the scribes did not rightly understand it. And in so doing, he shows us that one subject— about which David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, was Christ. We know from our Lord's own words in another place that the Old Testament scriptures testify of Christ, John 5.39. They were intended to teach men about Christ by types, figures, and prophecy until he himself should appear on earth. We should always keep this in mind in reading the Old Testament, but never so much as in reading the Psalms. Christ is undoubtedly to be found in every part of the law and the prophets, but nowhere is he so much to be found as in the book of Psalms. His experience and sufferings at his first coming into the world, his future glory and his final triumph at his second coming, are the chief subjects of many a passage in that wonderful part of God's word. It is a true saying that we should look for Christ quite as much as David in reading the Psalms. Let us beware of undervaluing or despising the Old Testament. In its place and proportion, the Old Testament is just as valuable as the New. There are probably many rich passages in that part of the Bible which have never yet been fully explored. There are deep things about Jesus in it, 
which many walk over like hidden gold mines and know not the treasures beneath their feet. Let us reverence all the Bible. All is given by inspiration and all is profitable. One part throws light upon another and no part can ever be neglected without loss and damage to our souls. A boastful contempt for the Old Testament scriptures has often proved the first step toward infidelity. Let us learn in the second place from these verses how odious is the sin of hypocrisy in the sight of Christ. This is the lesson which is taught by us in our Lord's warning against the scribes. He exposes some of their notorious practices, their ostentatious manner of dressing, their love of honor and praise of man rather than God, their love of money, disguised under a pretended concern for widows, their long protracted public devotions intended to make men think them eminently godly. And he winds them all up by the solemn declaration, These shall receive the greater condemnation. Of all the sins into which men can fall, none seems so exceedingly sinful as false profession and hypocrisy. At all events, none have drawn from our Lord's mouth such strong language and such heavy denunciations. It is bad enough to be led away captive by open sin and to serve diverse lusts and pleasures, but it is even worse to pretend to have a religion while in reality we serve the world. Let us beware of falling into this abominable sin. Whatever we do in religion, let us never wear a cloak. Let us be real, honest, thorough, and sincere in our Christianity. We cannot deceive an all-knowing God. We may take in poor, short-sighted man by a little talk and profession, and a few cant phrases and an artificial devoutness. But God is not mocked. He is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His all-seeing eye pierces through the paint and varnish and tinsel which cover the unsound heart. The day of judgment will soon be here. The joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Job 20 verse 5. His end will be shame and everlasting contempt. One thing, however, must never be forgotten in connection with the subject of hypocrisy. Let us not flatter ourselves, because some make a false profession of religion, that others need not to make any profession at all. This is a common delusion, and one which against we must carefully guard. It does not follow, because some bring Christianity into contempt by professing what they do not really believe and feel, that we should run into the other extreme and bring it into contempt by a cowardly silence and by keeping our religion out of sight. Let us rather be doubly careful to adorn our doctrine by our lives. Let us prove our sincerity by the consistency of our lives. Let us show the world that there is a true coin as well as a counterfeit coin and that the visible church contains Christians who can witness a good profession as well as Pharisees and scribes. Let us confess our master modestly and humbly, but firmly and decidedly, and show the world that although some men may be hypocrites, there are others who are honest and true. Let us learn in the last place from these verses how pleasing to Christ is self-denying liberality in giving. This is a lesson which is taught us in a striking manner by our Lord's commendation of a certain poor widow. We are told that he beheld how the people cast in their voluntary contributions for God's service into the public collecting box or treasury. He saw many that were rich casting in much. 
At last he saw this poor widow cast in all that she had for her daily maintenance. Then we hear him pronounce the solemn words, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. More in the sight of him who looks not merely at the amount given, but at the ability of the giver, not merely at the quantity contributed, but at the motive and heart of the contributor. There are few of our Lord's sayings so much overlooked as this. There are thousands who remember all his doctrinal discourses and yet contrive to forget this little incident in his earthly ministry. The proof of this is to be seen in the meager and sparing contributions which are yearly made by Christ's church to do good in the world. The proof is to be seen in the miserably small incomes of all the missionary societies in proportion to the wealth of the churches. The proof is to be seen in the long annual lists of self-complacent guinea subscribers of whom many could easily give hundreds of pounds. The stinginess of professing Christians in all matters which concern God and religion is one of the crying sins of the day and one of the worst signs of the times. The givers to Christ's cause are but a small section of the visible church. Not one baptized person in twenty probably knows anything of being rich toward God. Luke 12.21 The vast majority spend pounds on themselves and give not even a pence to Christ. Let us mourn over this state of things and pray God to amend it. Let us pray Him to open men's eyes and awaken men's hearts and stir up a spirit of liberality. Above all, let us each do our own duty and give liberally and gladly to every Christian object while we can. There will be no giving when we are dead. Let us give as those who remember that the eyes of Christ are upon us. He still sees exactly what each gives and knows exactly how much is left behind. Above all, let us give as the disciples of a crucified Savior who gave himself for us, body and soul, on the cross. Freely we have received. Let us freely give. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, do we love and treasure the Old Testament as much as the New? If we do read the Old Testament, do we seek Christ there, or is it just about moralizing familiar stories? Second, friends, does this truth that God sees our hearts free us from pretending and tell him honestly what he already knows, or do we care only to make other people believe that we are something we are not? Third, on the other hand, do we adore the doctrine of Christ by publicly living out our faith, or do we hide it under a false pretense of humility? And fourth, do we give freely and cheerfully, or are we stingy and exacting in our giving? Are we rich toward God, or rich toward ourselves? <laughs>